Hey there, friends. Welcome to Her Fight Club, a space to feel welcome to bring all the hard, messy, and broken parts of this life, but leave feeling less alone, encouraged, and empowered to face your battle ahead. Her Fight Club exists so that you can know that God, His Word, and a community of women are fighting for you. I'm your host, Jenny Bolton. It's an honor to fight for you today. Let's dive in. Hey friends, I'm so thankful you have joined us today. In case you're just joining in this month, we're tackling two very difficult battles that so many women in our world are fighting, and those are the battles of miscarriage and infertility. If you haven't got a chance to listen to the episode on miscarriage, and this is something that you, our friend, are walking through, please go back and give it a listen. My best friend and I both share our stories of miscarriage and how God carried us through and helped us fight through the pain. Well, today we're going to tackle the battle of infertility. For those of you who may not have listened to the last episode, I shared the statistics that one in eight women struggle with infertility. And in case you may not know, infertility means that a couple has tried for over a year to get pregnant without results. This is such a real battle, and it really leaves each woman and family with so many difficult emotions to fight through. It's an all-encompassing battle affecting women both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So once again, how do we fight through the pain and trust God in the midst of this battle? Well, I'm thankful to have a very special friend on the podcast today to share her story of battling infertility. She's a friend that I've watched firsthand trust God and stand firm in the midst of deep pain, disappointment, and loss. And I'm so excited for you to hear her journey and all the ways that she has fought through the heartache to glorify God. So please welcome to the podcast today, my good friend, Amy Moore. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and thankful to have this opportunity to share our story. Well, I'm so thankful you're here, and um, I love how we know each other, and that is because we both married youth pastors, (laughs) (laughs) and our husbands both have worked at Long Hall Baptist Church together for the past decade, which is crazy, showing our age a little bit. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Um, And it's always just been so fun to do life and ministry with you guys, and fun fact, our husbands even started their own woodworking business for a while there, and I think they even won an award at one of the church staff parties for having like the best side hustle, which has always been so funny to me. (laughs) Yes, you're exactly right. That award actually still sits in Will's office. They're very proud. (laughs) But, you know, they're very professional and official. They even had a business name, Bolton Moore Wood Company. And I'm super thankful for that side hustle. It's produced most of the furniture that's in my house. Amen, right? (laughs) silver lining, even though they um, are very busy. They were very busy at different times doing that side hustle. At least we got a lot of our furniture in our house from it. Long nights. Yes. Well, the first question I always ask us is to tell us a little about you and your family. Yeah. So Will and I met in 2012 in Louisville, Kentucky. I was working as an ICU nurse and preparing to start grad school for anesthesia. And Will was getting his master's from Southern Seminary. So random fun fact about us, we actually met at Starbucks. Love it. Yes. (laughs) So about four months after we met, I moved to Nashville, and he surprised me with our engagement a few weeks later. We've been married eight years now, and Will's the student pastor at Long Hollow Baptist Church, and I'm a CRNA for an anesthesia group here in Nashville. And a year and a half ago, the Lord allowed us to give birth to a healthy little girl named Willow, I realize more so now than before how much of an absolute miracle any new life is, whether it happens unexpectedly or comes with years of waiting. Amen. So to give you a little backstory on our spiritual journeys, Will grew up in church and gave his life to the Lord at a young age. He felt called to ministry while he was in college, so he completely changed his plans that he thought he had for his life and surrendered to what God had planned for him. He's been a pastor now for eight years. 
My journey, on the other hand, looked a little bit different than his. I didn't really grow up in church, and I was actually a professed atheist in my teens and most of my 20s. I never really believed all that churchy stuff I heard about or knew of from the few times I did go. I certainly didn't believe any of the crazy stories that I knew of from the Bible. So as a result of that, I walked a long, dark road for most of my 20s. So when I was 26 years old, I was radically saved by myself in my apartment. I started going to a church that was a few minutes down the road from me, and it was there that I learned what salvation even was and really started on this journey to learn more about the Lord and this new faith. I was baptized later the following year and would meet my future husband a few months later. Mm, I love it so much. Um, I've always loved your story of just how God radically saved you. And I love that it was just in your house. Like it wasn't even at a church service. Like I think so many times we have in our head that like salvations can only happen when we're in a church service, when they gave an invitation. But so I just think that's such a powerful story. And I love too that y'all stories are so different. Like y'all grew up in totally different homes and had different faith experiences, but together y'all bring like this really unique experience to your ministry. Um, And so, and let's, Definitely not skip too easily over the fact that you are just a complete boss babe and totally crush it at being a nurse anesthetist. Did I say it right? <laughs> anesthetist. Anesthetist. Yes. Sorry. So good. It's so, so hard to say for some reason. <laughs> but seriously, I've always been so impressed with you and just like how you serve God through your job. Um, and you're just amazing. Um, but let's hop right in and um, let's start from the very beginning. Um, Amy, can you just take us on the journey of when you first started trying to get pregnant and when you realized challenges were presenting themselves? Well, Will and I had been married for about three years at the time, and we started having several conversations about starting to go ahead and try and get pregnant. A few of our closest friends were also starting on this journey as well. So we both felt like we were ready and super excited about this new chapter of our life. I think I thought in my mind that it was going to happen the first time we tried, but that first year came and went, and we still weren't pregnant. We even tried all the tips and tricks that you hear about. We were eating all the right foods. We were using all the supplements and vitamins and tracking every single detail every single month. Mm. Um, As the months went on, though, um, both of our friends had announced that they were both pregnant, and we were still trying. So we were at this point where... You know, you have so many people telling you story after story about how they've tried or their friends tried or someone they knew tried and couldn't get pregnant. But after their doctor put them on Clomid, they got pregnant right away. And a lot of them even had twins. So we had this renewed excitement and we were ready to go to our doctor and try Clomid. So we tried Clomid for about four months without success. So we met with our doctor after that fourth attempt, and it was during that conversation that she started mentioning things like infertility, additional testing, blood work, low ovarian reserve, and we left that day with a referral to Nashville Fertility Clinic. I think it was then that it really started to set in that our journey to become parents was not going to be what we thought. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so relatable, and I think that we all go into our journeys of starting a family with all of these expectations that honestly we maybe didn't even realize were there until things started to go differently than we imagined. And I know for me, like I shared in the last episode, I was like so naive to all of the challenges and all of the encompassing battle that I was going to face in starting my pregnancy journey. And for you, Amy, what were some of your expectations going to the journey and how did that impact your experience? 
Yes, absolutely. I had so many expectations about how I thought starting a family would go. I think myself, like most women, had so many details planned out. I'm going to get pregnant in a few months. I'm going to have a girl first and a boy second. Do we want two or three? We're going to announce it this way. This is how we'll tell our family. This is how we're going to make our social media announcement. This Mm -hmm. is what the baby shower will look like and on and on and on. I think all of the expectations I had planned out about how our journey would go only added to the suffering that we would experience when every detail turned out to not only not go that way, but go so far down a different path that we never imagined. Yes. Gosh, it's so true. And I think that it's just so critical to talk about these expectations because they come from so many things that we've learned or absorbed throughout our life. Um, And I believe there is just a ridiculous amount of pressure and expectations in today's culture around pregnancy than ever before, right? Like, just like you were saying, like the constant stream of pregnancy announcements, gender reveals, elaborate baby showers, like the list could go on and on. And it can really lead women to an even darker place because this is what their expectations are placed in instead of the actual reality that so many women are facing challenges in their pregnancy journeys. But again, it's like most people don't aren't always sharing those things because they really are painful to share. Um, and so it's kind of like that highlight reel type situation. And then we put our expectations into that. And so like my counselor always says, like where expectations meet reality, there's always disappointment. And I know this has been so true in my own life through various trials. And um, disappointment can sadly manifest itself in like so many ways that can make this journey very difficult. Um, so for you, like, tell us a little more about your journey. Like, what were some of the hardest moments you faced along the way? And how long did you guys end up battling infertility? So we battled infertility for a total of three years and did a full year of fertility treatments with Nashville Fertility Clinic. We ended up doing several months of attempted ovarian stimulation with a medication that was similar to Clomid. We did six total IUIs, two IVF stimulations, and over 250 injections. During that year, we also had countless doctor's appointments, blood draws, and ultrasounds. Our first IVF stimulation only produced two usable eggs, so we decided to cancel our egg retrieval and switch to another IUI. It was that IUI that we actually got pregnant with and miscarried around eight weeks. So a few months later, we started our second IVF stimulation. That one actually produced eight eggs that were harvested, and then six of those were able to be fertilized and frozen. So we were on this high at this point, and we were experiencing an excitement and a joy that we had not felt in a really long time. We were actually on vacation Shortly after our six embryos were frozen, when we got the call that five of our six embryos were not usable and that we only had one viable embryo, that sent us right back to a place of deep grief and anxiety. There were several points in our journey that I remember being harder than others. I think one of the hardest moments in our journey was just getting to this point of complete desperation. I felt like I had given every ounce of energy and emotion I had in me and I had nothing left. I was carrying a lot of grief in this season. It felt like a very sad and lonely time for me. If there was any hope left or any fight left in us, the miscarriage certainly took that from us. It was an absolutely soul crushing blow that I did not feel prepared to walk through. You're kind of at this point where 
you've given every part of yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally to this battle, and you suffer yet another devastating blow. It felt like it was just all too much at this point. You're under the water and you're in need of something outside of yourself just to bring you to a safe and quiet place. Mm. Man, that's such a hard place to be. And, and I feel like that is so relatable to so many women walking this journey that feel that exact same way. Um, it's just like when you feel like you've exhausted yourself in every way and it just consumes you and you get to this numb place and just feel so broken inside because no results are happening and nothing is turning out like you thought. The disappointment is so heavy. And I know I relate to those feelings even on my journey of miscarriage and the journey of even foster care. Truly, the waiting season is the hardest and not feeling like you have any control. And so again, like we've talked about, this journey is so all-encompassing. It becomes such a battle of the mind, honestly, probably more than anything, and threatens to take over our emotions. So for you, what daily emotions and lies did you wrestle with the most during your journey? I would say that a deep sense of grief had overwhelmed me most of the days the last year and a half of our journey. The enemy also used this season of suffering to try and plant seeds of doubt that I wasn't good enough somehow, that I obviously didn't deserve to get pregnant and carry a child, that I probably didn't have enough faith, and that's why the Lord was withholding this desire from us. If you allow it, your mind will lead you places that aren't rational and get you stuck there. Mm. Amen, which is the whole reason I started this podcast. Um, But it is so true. And I feel like those lies are so relatable and just how the enemy uses suffering to get us to doubt and produce shame that we're not doing enough and we're not enough. He's so tricky like that. Uh, It's like we're already suffering enough. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to make her get even more defeated because I know she's tired and she's grieving. And he throws those fiery darts that Ephesians 6 talks about at us and makes us feel even worse than we already feel. Yeah, and I think it's critical to validate that this journey is a grief journey, like you said. It's like this constant unresolved grief that has no closure, and that's hard to live under the weight of every single day. So for you and your journey, how did the grief manifest itself in your life? I didn't see it at the time or really want to admit it, but I really struggled with self-dependence, self-pity, self-protection, and ultimately pride. When you're on this long, exhausting journey of infertility, you can allow yourself to retreat into a self-protection mode. Looking back, I realized that I would find ways to protect myself. If I don't talk about it or don't pray about it, then it's not real. This isn't our reality. Hmm. And this sort of denial, in a way, made me feel like I was helping myself survive infertility becomes such a roller coaster of highs and lows and the lows eventually overwhelm the highs and you find yourself feeling like you're suffering in silence. I remember in the beginning, it started as a self-dependence. I kept telling myself that we still had more options, more things we could try, more technology, more doctors. I read an article towards the end of our journey that exposed something in me that I didn't even know was there. The title of the article was Pain, A Secret Garden of Pride. It Mm. resonated with me so much because I knew instantly that I was struggling with pride in so many unintentional ways. I felt like I was walking this road alone. I felt like no one else really understood the depth of grief that I was in. 
the grief that I was in had led to a place where I couldn't even pray anymore. I didn't know what to pray or even what the point was anymore. I had begged the Lord so many times, and at the time, it seemed like nothing was happening. Secretly, there was this sense of knowing that the Lord wanted me to get to a place of full surrender, but I knew deep down that it meant letting go of what I wanted and desired to fully step into what his plan was for our life. And full surrender meant that I had to be okay if I never ended up being pregnant. And I wasn't there yet. Mm, So good and so relatable, again, to where I feel like so many women are on this journey. And even across the board, I feel like this applies to where so so many of us are just with whatever desires that we're fixed on and things don't turn out the way that we planned Sadly, pride is just universal in all of us, and no one is exempt from it. I know for me, it definitely creeped into my pregnancy journey as well, and I really related to a lot of things that you were saying, um, because I remember I wrestled with it a lot after my miscarriage. I think looking back, I was like prideful inside that I got pregnant really quickly, and then when we lost the baby, it like crushed my pride in myself. I think there's like this stigma or narrative out there that esteems women who get pregnant as strong and capable And we feel this sense of pride that it's something we accomplish instead of God's divine work. I feel like we can easily place our identity and value into this role of being a mom. And I think anytime we put our identity into anything outside of God, pride can creep in, right? (laughs) And you touched on self-dependence, which I feel like is intermingled with control. And as women, we want that control, right? (laughs) I know I do. I mean, like all the way back to the garden, we, you know, look at Eve and she wanted the control. Um, and so I think in these moments of like suffering and plans not going the way that we want, it also gives us like this opportunity to exercise surrender and trusting God's plan and purpose for our lives like you did. So it's really cool how how God brought you to that point and, and just really worked in your life through the pain. So, well, these moments of suffering as a Christ follower can really impact our faith in significant ways, just like we were talking about. So um, do you have any other ways that it impacted yours and how you fought through it? Yeah, so there were several ways that my faith was being tested. I experienced the inability to pray anymore, and as crazy as it sounds, the inability to engage with our friends' babies, the inability to maintain friendships the way that I had before, the inability to fully give myself to ministry the way I was you know, I was used to, it all came down to the fact that I had no extra energy to give to any other part of my life. The entire journey of infertility is an all-consuming season to be in. It takes every part of you mentally, emotionally, and physically. I knew deep down at the time that to protect myself in some way meant I did not have the capability to bear anyone else's burdens. I didn't have the physical energy all the time to be happy and fun, Amy. I did things that I knew I had to do. I would still throw the baby showers. I still volunteered at church. I led Bible studies and tried to be a good friend. I tried to do as much as I could to not allow it to fully consume me. I also used to recite scripture to myself often as a reminder of truth and God's love and protection and promises to me. It was this constant balance of allowing myself to grieve the reality, knowing that there was purpose in all of it. Yeah, that's so good. And I always remember being so impressed with how you would throw baby showers for friends, just knowing the season that you were walking through and knowing the pain that you guys were facing in your own journey. Um, And I was just always like, wow, Like, that is just really neat that 
you were able to have the strength to do that. And I, I love that you said it's a balance of allowing yourself to grieve because I think this is huge. Like we can't ignore the pain and it's okay to not be okay, but we just can't allow ourselves to set up camp and live in that place forever. And I think of Jesus's life. Um, he wept over the death of Lazarus in the book of John. And we see in Ecclesiastes 3 that God says, there's a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. And I love also in Matthew 4 that not only says it's okay to mourn, but that God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. And God's plan is is for us to mourn and grieve so that He can bring us comfort and peace and and draw us close to Him. And you mentioned that it really took over your entire being and you shut down and couldn't perform in the same way you could in other seasons. And I think that this is such a good point because instead of beating ourselves up and feeling guilt about this, I believe we need to validate and extend grace to ourselves in these seasons and really walk in freedom that it's okay to not have the emotional or social capacity to perform the same way we did in other seasons. I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's so important to talk about the guilt we place on ourselves for not having the capacity to fully be ourselves in these difficult seasons. Yes. So good. Um, Well, along those same lines, I wanted to talk for a minute about how you protected your mind from comparison in this journey. Because just like you have mentioned several times throughout your journey, the enemy tempted you to compare to others. And for you, I know you decided to make an intentional decision to fight that. And I really wanted you to share about the decision because I think this is just really neat how you chose to fight this comparison. So can you share that? Absolutely. Um, I realized pretty early on that you start to notice what everyone else around you has that you don't. Social media kind of became this negative space for me. It was as if the only things that were on my feed were families with kids, pregnancy announcements, baby shower pictures, and baby pictures, which obviously probably wasn't true, but that's how pain and suffering works. You can allow yourself to only see what you don't have and lose focus on your life and your journey and God's specific plans for your life or what you do have. So I made the decision pretty early on in our journey to delete all social media. Getting rid of my social media accounts really removed so much noise and chaos from my mind and freed me up to focus on what was right in front of me. Mm. So good. I mean, can we just not have social media in, in this world? <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, it's such a blessing and a curse at times. But I just think that's so good um, and so true. And I've seen it in my own life. Like when I'm struggling through a trial or suffering and then I hop on social media and my filter that I'm seeing everyone's life through is not usually healthy. And I typically take every picture or caption and it will just take me to this place of bitterness and resentment of my own life. And I really believe this is from the enemy, right? Because he wants to steal our joy and contentment. And like you said, make us hyper-focus on what we don't have. So we're just kind of like paralyzing our faith and we can't even be thankful for the things that we do have. And I feel like in so many ways, it's like we all want our lives to look exactly the same instead of realizing that God made us all different and he's allowing us to all face different trials, all for unique purposes that only we can live out, right? And so... For sure, everybody has to come to their own conviction with this and what individual boundaries they need to put into place to protect their minds for these journeys. And this is where, you know, asking God for wisdom takes place. And we know that, you know, God says that if we ask for wisdom, He will generously give it. And um, also, you know, maybe talking to a counselor or a close, wise friend to help you navigate, like, what's best for you. Um, Did you ever talk to anybody or did you just know and hear that from God, you know, that you just needed to get off? No, I think... I think I kind of knew that. I I noticed, like you mentioned, every time I got on there, it 
like I said, was kind of producing this negative experience for me. And it, I kind of knew early on, once we realized we were going to be going down this journey of infertility, we didn't know how long it was going to be. We didn't know how long it was going to last. We did not know how deep this grief was going to be. But at the beginning, I could kind of sense this feeling of you can remove something that is causing or adding negative stress to your life um, and allow yourself to kind of focus what's right in front of you. Mm. And I really felt like in this season, I knew immediately that I was going to need to remove things that weren't necessary and maybe that were even adding negative things so that I could really focus on this path we were about to walk on. I love that. That's so good and just so powerful because I feel like, like you said about the the noise, like all the noise, it gets so loud. Like we don't need any more noise. Like we're already either sabotaging ourselves, you know, or, you know, listening to other voices. And I think that that took out a really powerful voice. So I think that that was just really cool. And I love how you did that in your journey. And um, so thank you for sharing that. So now we have talked about all the hard and painful parts of this journey. And I wanted to shift gears and talk about how God helps you to fight through the pain. So what did you find were some of your biggest lifelines in this journey? Yes, this is the best part. So I started to realize that the more I allowed myself to feel and grieve and accept what was laid before me, the more I felt the Lord caring for me and teaching me and guiding me through this journey. I sat in silence often with the Lord. I talked earlier about how I kind of had this inability to pray anymore. And so that just led me to a place of silence with the Lord many times. And honestly, that's where I found the most peace. He would give me enough energy to get back up and do what I needed to do to move forward. My husband was also a huge part of this for me, uh, being able to do all that I did in this season. He would go with me to as many doctor's appointments as he could. He learned to give me my injections. He spoke truth into my life often. I remember something very specific that he did that meant a lot to me. He posted scripture all over our bathroom, which was so important because that bathroom had become a place of such negativity for me. Countless negative pregnancy tests. It was a place of hiding. It was a place where many tears were shed. So to reclaim that space for me as encouraging and filled with truth did so much for my emotional and spiritual well-being. I think there are times in life where you aren't capable of even being what you need for yourself, and you aren't capable of even trying to get yourself there. And that's where my husband came in to be that for me and to help me get through each week or each fertility cycle that we were in. I also cannot imagine this journey without the countless prayers of so many friends and family on our behalf. It's absolutely incredible to look back and realize how much love so many people had for us in that season. Mm. I love that because it's just so refreshing to think that we can have these hard seasons of life where it's okay to let other people support and fight for us. And we talk about that a lot on the podcast, which is in so many ways why I started the podcast. So people don't feel alone and aren't fighting these battles by themselves. 
and that on the days where they can't fight for themselves, you know, they can press play and they can listen to scripture, you know. And so I love that you had so many friends that did that, but also your husband, man, that is amazing. I love the scripture on the walls to help be a constant reminder of his truth in a place you would see it every day in a place that was a painful reminder. It replaced it with who God is over your pain. And so, man, thank you, Will. That's incredible. Um, I love the lifeline also of silence with God. It's in these moments of silence, He can really speak over us truth that gives us fuel to keep going and to keep trusting that His plans are better. So for you, Amy, like what were some specific scriptures that you clung to in this time? There were several scriptures that really had a big impact on me throughout our journey. So the first one that comes to mind is James 1, 2 through 4, and I'll read it for you all. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I loved this truth and repeated it myself often. The testing of our faith produces steadfastness, which means to be immovable. And once steadfastness has had its full effect, we will be perfect and complete and lack nothing. And steadfastness doesn't happen by everything in life going the way you envisioned it going. It happens by walking in faith and trusting that what you can't see is producing in you something that might not have happened otherwise. Mm, Love that. The next one I remember is 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. It says, Now we have this treasure in clay jars that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Now, this is my favorite part always carrying the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. I think it shows that pain and suffering and trials are an expected part of life, but that we have in the Holy Spirit, that's what allows there to be purpose in all of it. We carry the death of Jesus in our bodies. We can relate in that way. Suffering is not only common to us. Jesus experienced the ultimate suffering to the point of death even, but the story didn't stop there, and neither does ours. We carry the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus might also be shown through our bodies. We're able to show that the surpassing power to weather a storm doesn't come from us. He is the provider of all peace and comfort. He is our shield. He is our protector. He gives us life. Mm, I love that so much. So, so good. You're preaching over here. I love it. <laughs> so I think this one is is kind of a, a simple one, but to me, it's it's so powerful. It's Psalm 139, 16. It says, Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. This to me is just such a powerful verse. It can bring so much rest in so many different seasons. There's so much peace in knowing that he knows every detail and he planned every single day before any of them began. So it gives us peace knowing that he's walking with us through all of it. Like he knows the future and he already has it planned out. And there's so much we can kind of anchor our foundation and trust in, you know, instead right. of sitting there like flailing and, and feeling like he, 
everything's going wrong and he's not in control. Right. Absolutely. So, so the last one is Daniel 3, 17 and 18. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. He can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. So I remember being so nervous the day we transferred our only embryo. I couldn't talk. I wasn't myself. I was extremely quiet on the way there. I knew in my heart that this was our last shot. I knew that we were out of fertility options, out of money, out of the physical, mental, and emotional requirement to do anymore. So on the ride to the fertility clinic to implant our only embryo, Will looks at me and says, why are you so nervous? And I just blurted out so quickly because our whole life depends on it. And he was so quick to reel me in. He said, no, absolutely not. It does not. We are not defined by our ability to conceive or give birth to a child. We are defined by one thing and one thing alone. And that allowed me to just take a deep breath. And I had so much peace after that. He was right. Our life is defined by Christ and our relationship with Jesus, nothing else. That's why I love this verse, because these boys were facing death, and yet they told the king, our God can and he will, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to you or worship your idols. I had to believe that God can and he will allow you to conceive, but even if he doesn't, he is still God. He is still good, and I will not give myself over to the enemy through this journey, no matter the outcome. Mm. I love this so much. And this is such a powerful story. And it's so cool because my guest on the last podcast on miscarriage also shared this scripture on how it empowered her to trust God in the midst of her pain. And it's such an act of genuine faith to say, we believe you can rescue us, but even if not, you are good. And we trust that your plans are best. It's really just this place of complete surrender to say, I'm giving up and I'm placing all of my desires and dreams in your hands, trusting that you are sovereign and ultimately that the best gift is intimacy with you. So if these trials lead me closer to you, then even that is completely worth it. So I just loved all the verses that you shared because they are so powerful and just such anchors for our souls. Well, like in every episode, I always want to talk about purpose in the pain because I know for me and so many other people that I've talked about, when you can really find some purpose in your pain, it just gives you so much empowerment in your journey. So for you, Amy, um, how have you seen purpose come out of your pain? Yeah, definitely. I would love to share this part because I think early on, I wasn't really sure if there was any purpose in all of this. And I think Sometimes it does take a little time for you to figure out and allow the Lord to kind of reveal that to you. Absolutely. But I think one of the biggest lessons I learned through this is He wants our dependence to be on Him alone. Like you said earlier, to fully surrender. I remember a sermon that our pastor preached on the Israelites being led out of Egypt and into the wilderness. They had just been rescued and freed from slavery. But yet this journey through the wilderness was still scary and confusing and painful or uncomfortable at times. 
but the Lord knew what he was doing and where he was leading them. And our pastor talked about how the Lord was creating in them a need that only he could fill. Mm. It goes back to this idea of dependence on God alone and fully surrendering yourself to that. The amazing thing was that I instantly related to this story. I felt as though the Lord had brought me to a place and created in me a need that only He could fill. He was teaching me this. He was showing me what surrender and dependence on Him alone looked like. That was something I struggled so much with, and He used this completely unexpected season in our lives to show me that. Mm, I love that so much, and that will preach right there, um, that our pain isn't wasted, right? Like it always does something in us or through us that is so worth it on the other side of suffering. And and what a gift out of the pain for you to just learn the beauty of surrender and dependence on Him because, I mean, our lives are just a continuing process of sanctification, right? And so we're never going to arrive, but we're getting stronger along the way. Out of these dark times, like we— we, we, we gain strength that um, is just such a redemption on the other side. And so like you've mentioned throughout this talk is that this journey can just feel so lonely and vulnerable. And something that I always like to mention, something we talked about in the last podcast is how can we support those in this battle? How can we support those that are suffering through this battle of infertility? So for you, Amy, what were some ways that family and friends supported you in your journey or what would you recommend? I think you're right. It, can feel very lonely and honestly very personal. For me, I didn't know anyone in my family or immediate circle of friends who had walked through something like this. So there were many times that I didn't feel like I could or even wanted to talk openly about it. I think people genuinely want to be helpful and support you in any way that they can, but sometimes you aren't in a place to receive it well. Mm -hmm. I remember a friend telling me that, she was praying that I could lay all my anxiety down at the foot of the cross and not pick it back up. Um, I know her heart in that, and I know that her intentions were so genuine. But the way I interpreted that in that moment was that I didn't have the right to grieve the season that we were in, that I needed to get over it in a way. So I think it's hard to know exactly what to say or how to be helpful when people are walking through a painful season. The most helpful thing to me was the constant reminder from friends and family that they were praying. It's so helpful to feel like people can share in your grief in a way and lighten your burden by simply saying that they might not understand exactly how you feel, but I'm sad that you're sad, or I'm hurting because you're hurting, or I'm heartbroken because you're heartbroken. I think we do that often throughout life when we walk through difficult seasons with people. We might not completely understand how they feel or what they're going through, but we can offer support through prayer or even just an ear to listen. Mm, this is so much wisdom right there. And it's it's so simple, but it's so powerful. Like our prayers are interceding on their behalf and there's so much power in that. And I think a lot of times... You know, we feel like we need to fix or we need to offer solutions when really the most powerful thing we can do is bring them to the Father. Um, and so I love that. And just to validate people in a way that 
you just let them know that you're hurting because they're hurting and you're lifting them up to the God who does understand fully and can really be their rescue and their help. And so um, I actually saw someone's post today who's walking a really hard grief journey. And they said these three things, show up, listen, don't fix. And I thought that was a really powerful reminder. Okay, so last question. What encouragement would you give to the women and couples out there finding themselves completely defeated by infertility today? Yeah, so this is a hard one for me. I can so quickly go right back to that place. So I just would say, I know right where you are. I know you feel lonely. I know you're scared. I know you're desperate. I know you've given every part of yourself to this cause. And I know you're looking for a miracle. Let me encourage you by saying that he sees you, he knows you, and he's walking with you. You are not alone. You have the right to grieve and allow yourself time and space to grieve, but then allow the Lord to pick you up and be everything you need in this season. So good, friend. Amen. And just thank you for all the wisdom that you shared today and just for being so brave to share such a difficult journey that you have walked Um, because I know that it's going to encourage so many women and make them feel less alone and that there's hope and better days ahead in Christ. And so do you mind just closing our time praying for all the women battling infertility right now? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, thank you so much just for Jenny's willingness to step out in faith and um, start a podcast to really talk about some difficult conversations Um, I think it's bringing so much um, encouragement and light and hope to so many people out there. I do want to specifically just lift up any couples or women that are walking through this right now or have walked through it. Um, It's a difficult journey. And I know you know every single detail. I know you know the outcome, you know the future. Um, But I know it can be hard for them to see that in this moment. Lord, so I just pray um, protection over their heart and their mind. God, would you be a shield for them? Um, Would you just be their provider in every way? Would you meet every need that they have in this season? Um, I pray ultimately that they would experience you in a new way that they might not have experienced you otherwise. And I pray ultimately alongside these women and couples that, you know, they do receive a miracle. I pray alongside them and believe with them in faith that um, they will conceive, they will have a child. Um, But God, like that verse says, even if they don't, we still trust you. We still love you. We still know you're good and you still care for us. So God, I just lift up these women and these couples, Lord, pray that you would draw close to them in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening. And we hope this episode has left you more equipped to face your battle today. Also, check out part two of this episode, which will be a short reading of scripture specific for this battle to help you meditate on the truth and renew your mind. All the information from this episode will be in the show notes and on Instagram at Her Fight Club. If this episode encouraged you, please share with your friends. And if you could take a minute and leave a review, it helps the podcast reach more ladies who need to know they're not alone in their battles. Also, for more raw and real conversations, head over to our private women's Facebook group under Her Fight Club. And last, we have a worship playlist specific for each episode to help you battle and worship. And you can find that on Spotify, also under Her Fight Club. So remember, you're not alone. The struggle is so real, but so is our God, and His love and word is ready to fight for you today. In God's power, let's fight to claim truth for ourselves and all the hers in our life. We got this together.